It's lovely to be with you. Am I, is this going on YouTube? Let's get a thumbnail action. <laughs> That's for the thumbnail, all right, when you put it on the, on the YouTube. It's good to be here. Uh, so my name's Nathan. I work for Christian Vision for Men. So I took over from Carl when he moved on to the, to the Message Trust, now at the Message Trust. Um, so obviously you know all about CVM, you know what we do. Uh, I am married to a lovely lady called Jenny. We've got three children. Uh, we've been married for uh, 15 years and we live in Eam in the Peak District, so not far from here at all. Uh, I'm, I'm here with my mother today, so she's checking up on me, uh, but as mothers do, so it should be fine. Uh, if you've got your Bible, turn it on <laughs> or open it up if you're traditional like me. And if you've not got your Bible, don't worry about it. Just listen. I want to read you something from Exodus uh, chapter 3. So my hero of faith is going to be Moses. I want to talk just for about an hour and a half on Moses. <laughs> no, 20 minutes. Moses. Right, I'm going to read from uh, Exodus chapter 3. Uh, I don't know how far I'm going to read, actually. Just 10 verses. Okay, Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through, uh, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to, the, to have a look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. That was Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Now, as I was reading this through, I started to think, you know, Moses, he wasn't trying to be the next leader, was he? He wasn't trying to be the next big name or big shot. He was looking after sheep. And he was a man of, of really interesting contrast because this is a guy who grew up in the courts of Pharaoh. So he would have, he would have known the finest perfumes. If you like perfume, he would have known them. He would have known the finest of linens and fabrics the finest meats that could be offered. He would have known all of that, the finest jewellery. 
But here he was in a field looking after sheep. Now, I don't know if you've been close to sheep, but they are full of fleas. Real dirty and smelly. And here he is in a field with a load of sheep. Now, I thought that was quite interesting. He'd been doing it for years. He was on the run. Because he'd killed someone, hadn't he? And he was running. And God found him in that place. God found him at a weak spot in his life. And God turned it around. I don't know how God does that. But he can take people with the most broken of paths and restore them and use them for his kingdom potential. That's what God does. It's amazing. And Moses, for me, became a hero of faith. Now, the first point, I've got three points because every sermon's got three points. The first one is this. Moses met with the living God. He met with the living God. And I just read you that encounter. When he's there, God says, Moses, this is holy ground. And Moses takes off his sandals and he's too afraid to look because he can just feel the presence of the living God in that place. And you know Moses, he's got these responses, isn't he? First one. Who am I to go? And that's in, chapter, in verse 11, chapter 3. We're just going to go through chapter 3. He says, who am I to go? You must have the wrong person. And God says, I've picked you. And then, and then he says to God, but what if they don't believe me? What if I get there and, and they don't believe me? God says, well, I'll work signs and wonders. Because I'm with you. And he says, but Lord, I'm not a public speaker. And God says, I'm getting frustrated with you now. Take Aaron with you. And Moses, there's a lovely bit in, in chapter 4, 18. We're just going to push through a load of scripture today. But in, in Exodus 4, 18, you can follow it on. Moses goes to his father-in-law and he says, please, would you let me go? I need to go and do this. God's, God's called me. But what Moses says is, in verse 18, he says, let me go to my people in Egypt and see if they're still alive. Well, he knows they're still alive because God just said, I'm going to bring them out. I'm going to do an amazing work. I'm going to rescue my people from, from Egypt. So he knows they're alive. But I love it in Moses that he's got this fear. He's got this doubt. He's resting with his faith. Can I really go and ask Pharaoh to let me have these people? God has already said, I've heard their groanings and you're going to go and bring them out. And there's a wonderful bit in, in Hebrews 11, you know the, the chapter about faith? And it says this about Moses. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Hebrews 11:27. Moses saw he who is invisible. He glimpsed at the living God. He met him in a way that impacted his life forever. And my challenge for you, one of my challenges this morning, have you met the risen Jesus Christ? And I mean really met him. Because Moses' faith grows from that encounter with the invisible God at the burning bush. I wonder what that looks like for you. I took over CVM from Carl and he handed on to me this, we're going to win a million men to Jesus. 
Amazing. But I have my moments where I'm like, how can I do that? How is that possible? That, and I start to question it. And my faith wobbles. I say, Lord, that can't be right. How are we going to reach a million? You turn up at a curry and there's two blokes sitting there. It can be such frustrating work. But I believe because I've seen the invisible. I've met Jesus Christ. My faith is grounded in that meeting and that ongoing intimacy with Jesus. And I think Moses had that. I was born in 1979. So if you're doing the math, I'm 37. Uh, I became a Christian when I was about seven. And I remember, it's about 1986. Sat with my mum in the front room in our house in Harlow in Essex. And I said, I want to be a Christian. And I don't know if you remember my mother. She does. But uh, she, she walked me through a prayer and I asked Jesus into my life. Brilliant. If I'm honest, I spent the next 14 years living off that moment living off that decision. A little bit like, you know the children of Israel when they get into the desert and God provides manna and they start storing it up, they start putting it on the shelves and it goes mouldy, doesn't it? Because God's saying, I want to feed you every day. You're not just going to store this and ignore me. And I kind of had banked that. I'd put it in the bank. I'd say, yeah, I'm a Christian. 1986, I was seven. Amen, hallelujah. But I hadn't grown. I hadn't walked to the Lord. I hadn't, I hadn't really met him. I made that decision to follow him, but I hadn't really met him. And a mate of ours, a family friend, took me out to Brazil in 2000. And uh, I met Jesus in the most real way. I remember one night, I just wanted to speak to him. I was like, Lord, I'm done being lukewarm. Either I'm in or I'm out. Because I can't just do the church bit. I can't just wear a mask on a Sunday and flip it off when I'm on the building site on a Monday. I can't do it. So I'm either in or I'm out. I remember sitting in a hammock in, in Belém in the north of Brazil. And uh, I started to pray. And I had an encounter with the Lord. And I, and I glimpsed at the invisible. And as I was praying, it was like he was right. You know when you pray sometimes it feels like, oh, it's just hitting the ceiling. It's not going anywhere. In the room... The presence in the room, the Lord was there. And as I was praying, it was like he was literally, his ear was against my mouth. Just, I can hear you, son. I can hear you. And I had an overwhelming sense of God saying, I delight in you. I love you. And that changed the course of my life. The man that went out to Brazil in 2000, well, he never came back. A new man came back, a man who had met the invisible God. So my challenge is to you, first part, have you met the invisible God? Do you know him? Are you meeting with him regularly? Is he guiding your steps? The second thing I love about Moses is that he waited on God. Now I'm probably, I don't know about you, but I'm probably the most impatient person ever. I'm so impulsive. And, and I really can't wait for things. Like, I even try and get my birthday presents the day after, like, like a year ahead for the next birthday. I say, can I get this for next birthday? Like, I just can't wait for stuff. But Moses learned to wait, and, and I think in two ways. God's timing. So if you've got a Bible or you're just remembering stuff, in Exodus 20, something really interesting happens. 
Moses gets called into the presence of God, right? In Exodus 20, he gets the Ten Commandments. He basically gets the rules and, and the way God wants this relationship to work. And God calls Moses and says, come up the mountain because I want you to meet with me and, and I want you to know what this relationship is going to look like. And Moses goes up in verse 20 and, and the people are afraid. They're all looking and there's thunder and lightning and they're like, Moses, you go. You go up there. We're not going up there. So Moses goes up and in chapter 24, verse 12, the Lord says to Moses, come up this mountain and just be there. Come up the mountain, Moses, and just be there. So Moses starts to go up, and he says to the elders, guys, you stay here a bit lower down. I'm going up. But wait. Wait for me. He goes up. And while he's up there, the Bible says, for six days, a thick cloud descended on the top of the mountain. And Moses is in that cloud. And then on the seventh day, God speaks. So six days, Moses is up there in the mist and fog, waiting. I find it really interesting. I can't wait six minutes for things. If I'm downloading things, <laughs> I get so frustrated. And, and that happens in my prayer life too, and in my relationship with God. I don't like waiting. But on the seventh day, God responded. And he spoke to Moses. Now, if you've got your thumb in your Bible, you can literally go from chapter 20 to chapter 32. And that block of verses there is God instructing Moses about that relationship. But in verse 1 of chapter 32, something really interesting happens. The people say, ah, what's taking so long? Where's Moses? And they come down the mountain. And Aaron's there and the people are there and they're like, Moses hasn't come back. It's been six days. It's been a week. Aaron, here's our jewellery. Here's our bling. Melt it down and make us a golden calf. That's what we need to worship. Oh, we've seen God deliver us from Egypt with the most miraculous ways and lead us through the wilderness. But take our jewellery, melt us into a gold calf and we'll worship that instead because we've waited. We're not waiting anymore. And, and I do that in my own life as a Christian. I say, Lord, help me with this. And, and when nothing happens, or the response don't come when I want it, I say, right, what do I need to do? I can fix this. And I start hatching a plan to sort it out myself. I start building a golden calf. Because I've got to try and fix it. I can't wait. I can't wait for what you're doing, Lord. And Moses was a man who knew how to wait on the Lord. He really did. What does that look like for you? Is there stuff in your life you're saying, I've prayed about this. I'm still waiting, Lord. Be faithful in the waiting. Be faithful in the waiting. Lord, I'm not going to move. Because it's only you that can do this. Whether it's a back pain, an operation you're waiting for, a financial crisis, Lord, I need you to touch this. I can't do it. I can't do it. And Moses was faithful in the waiting. But I think there's another sort of waiting as well. I, I lived in Brazil for a while and, and we ended up moving out there. 
And one of the things I was able to do is I took three guys to the poshest restaurant I've ever been to. Now, these three guys are the richest men that I know. They're the richest men that I know, and they haven't got any money. They've got no money at all. But they've got a relationship with Jesus that is incredible. And that's why I call them the richest three men that I know. They're all ex-alcoholics and drug addicts. One of them was a drug dealer and a murderer. And I took them out. They're saved by the grace of God. They're amazing men. And I took them to this restaurant. They'd never been anywhere like it before. I parked the car, and this fella ran out, opened the door, and they're just sitting there like, what do we do? And I got out. We went in, and the bloke took their jacket, and they, they, you know they, these guys have borrowed suits to come out to this restaurant. We sat down, and a guy gently behind tucks the chair in behind you. So now you're sitting at this massive table. The meat starts coming round, the salads. We avoid the salads. We just have meat. And uh, we start eating. And every time one of these guys looks up, there's a, there's a fella rushes over, and he's like, what can I get you? He's like, well, nothing. I was just looking up. But every time, and they're like, what is this about? These guys, the service is incredible. And I, I started to think that there's a, there's a waiting on God that's a bit different from just sort of sitting. Like I'm, I'm just sitting. There's kind of like a getting as close to God as you can so that his every move you see you just, you just try and get as close as you can so that when God breathes out, you breathe in. That, that's how close I want to get to God. I want to be an imitator of God. That's what Ephesians says, be an imitator of God. Well, I can't do that if I can't see him. I can't do that if I'm not waiting on him and getting as close as I can. Through prayer, through fellowship, through reading my Bible, through seeking him, through cutting out time. And that hurts, the sacrificial time bit, that hurts getting as close to him as you can. Not that he needs your service, not that he needs your attendance like a, like a waiter does, but just that intentional, I'm just going to work to get as close as I can. Every move, Lord, what are you going to do now? Waiting on the Lord. And I, I think Moses did that too. When God moved, Moses moved. When God stopped, Moses stopped. All through the wilderness, all through his life. Where's the Lord going now? Eyes on the Lord. I'm following. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for you? And it comes at a cost. Got three children. They're all under eight. And it's hard work. And I get tired. And the evenings, well, that's my bit. The evenings, that's my time. I like gaming, so I game in the evenings. But then I can't get up early and pray because I know God's calling me in the morning to seek him. But I can't because I'm having my time in the evening. And I felt God convict me and say, sacrifice some of your evening time, go to bed early and get up and seek me. And when I started doing that, my life was transformed. My relationship with Jesus Christ was transformed. So what does that look like for you? What's God calling you to do? That intimacy needs nurturing, needs feeding, and we'll grow from it in our faith. The last point you'll be pleased to know is I think Moses obeyed God. He trusted God. He, he, his life was marked with obedience. 
and he trusted God. Let me read you something from Numbers. Sorry if we jumped around a lot this morning, but the Moses story is a bit spread over the, the Old Testament. Numbers 27, if you're trying to find it or writing it down. I, I think this... So there's loads of occasions where Moses trusted and obeyed God's words. There's loads. But this one in particular just totally amazed me. Let me read it to you. Moses 27, 12 to 22. Joshua to succeed Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go up this mountain in the Abraham range and see the land I've given to the Israelites. After you've seen it, you too will be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. For when... The community rebelled at the waters in the desert of Zin. Both of you disobeyed my command to honour me as holy before their eyes. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to get out and come in before them. Sorry, to go out and come in before them. One who will lead them out and bring them in so that the Lord's people will not be like a sheep without a shepherd. So Moses anoints Joshua to take over. Now I thought this was really interesting. You can, you can flick around Deuteronomy and see this story fold out. But Moses had been leading these people for years. God calls Moses up this mountain in Deuteronomy 32. He says, Moses, come up Mount Nebo. So Moses goes up the mountain and God says to Moses, can you see the promised land over there? And Moses says, yeah. And God says, well, you're not going. You're not going in. You've gone as far as you're going to go. And in actual fact, you're going to die on this mountain. It's mind-blowing. This is the encounter that Moses had with God. And, and the weird thing is, Moses obeyed. Moses said, okay, God. Now, if that was me, I want the glory. It's, it's me that's got to finish first on the finish line. I've been leading these people for years, Lord. Why are you robbing me of that prize right at the end? That's not fair. I've prayed with them under continual struggle and bitterness and complaining from this lot. I've been faithful but I'm not going to see the promise there. It's not me that's going to take him over the finish line. And I think that's amazing that Moses, in spite of that, says, I'll trust you. And even the moment where Moses didn't trust God and, and what God's talking about there, they got to a land in the desert and there was no water and the people started complaining again and Moses said, oh, have I got to bring water out of this stone? And he didn't give the glory to God. He didn't honour God because it was God that was providing. And yeah, he hit the stone and water came out. But God says, in that moment, you and your brother didn't give me the glory. So you're not going in. I want you to hand it over to Joshua and he's going to take him in. But Lord, I deserve it. That's mine. That should be me. But you don't see any of that. What Moses does, he says, I will trust in you, God. And he gets Joshua and he anoints him. And he puts his hands on him and says, this is the man that's going to take you into the promised land. And he goes off and he dies in the spot that God had told him he would die in. 
He trusted and obeyed God, even right at the end. When humanly, you and I would be like, that's so unfair. Surely Moses should have seen the prize cross the finish line and walked him into the promised land. Da-da, we did it, yay! But God didn't let him. And in spite of that, Moses trusted in God. What does that look like for you? What does trust look like for you, even when it's not going your way? Because <laughs> that's when it really matters, isn't it? When it don't feel like it's fair. And you still say, you know what, God? You've got a sovereign plan. And I'm going to trust you. Lord, I'm still waiting for this prayer to be answered. I'm still going to trust you. What does that look like for you? Let me read you just one last thing. This is out of Deuteronomy. Moses, when he was 120 years old, he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigour diminished. Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Moses had laid his hands on him. That's amazing, isn't it? What a hero of faith. Moses had glimpsed at the invisible God. He'd walked in intimacy with God. He'd waited on God. He'd got as close as he could to the presence of God. And he obeyed him. He trusted him. He said, Lord, whatever you say, I'll do. My challenge for you is, what does that look like in your life? How do we apply that to the situation that you are in? Despite his failures... Despite his weakness, Moses walked with God. And we can too.